Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. This is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert, and I am here with the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Now, today we have an amazing guest. Randy and I were both so excited to have him on. We have Kieran Flanagan, who is the VP of Marketing and Growth at HubSpot. Uberflip is a partner with HubSpot, and obviously at Convince and Convert, we're massive fans of the content that they produce, and I'm a massive fan of all of that work as well. So we were just really excited to chat, and Kieran has some just amazing advice, which is basically stop hacking everything and just focus on predictable growth and do the right thing. And Randy, I know that's probably not the advice everybody wants to hear, but I think it's the advice everybody needs to hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, between you and me, I, I think it's in HubSpot's case, there's, there is some sort of special sauce there. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to share it with us, <laughs> you, but so that you is, it is truly it. amazing what that company has accomplished. I, I think they don't want to give us the secret. I don't know. I mean, you know, 50,000 customers, you know, I think it's like 2.6 million, you know, social followers. Uh, you know, the numbers are insane. And, and it, but, it, but, you know, back to his point of it, it's not, you know, that one silver bullet. I think in their case, it's because they do so much, right? And yeah. they figured out how to tackle the market in so many ways. One of the things that I found interesting was when they talked about the different ways that they now look at getting users, right? And, you know, uh, the original HubSpot model, it was all inbound, right? It was generate users through inbound, but now they also have, you know, a freemium product where I think he called it a, a uh, PQL, so a product qualified lead, somebody yeah. who hits a certain, which I, we didn't really go into detail and I found that pretty interesting. They obviously have MQL, but then the last one we also didn't talk that much about is they have users who strictly use them for learning and content. Yeah. And they don't monetize those people, but it's their opportunity to learn as, as calling those people instead of just you know an audience, they're an actual user of the HubSpot offering. Yeah, and Karen has um, some really great points just about you know those users who are just there for content and how they've actually managed to sort of go with the uh, their formula of winning hearts and minds, which he will go into. But um, for those of you who are really interested on in digging more into the freemium side of things, HubSpot actually has several articles about uh, the benefits of going freemium and what that looks like and how to determine your freemium model almost. So really, really fascinating topic and just how much that lowers the barrier to users and getting customers. Absolutely. And, and Kieran's a natural in this podcast. He, he's got a podcast of his own, which he'll speak about as we dig in here. But uh, I, I think everyone's really going to enjoy this one. This is, this is definitely going to be one of our most downloaded episodes. Enjoy everything coming your way. Here we go with Karen Flanagan. Hey, Karen, thanks so much for making the time today. I am really excited to talk about 
all that is top of the funnel, although I know that's not the only area that you focus, but I think we'll end up going really deep in terms of how content can be used at the top of the funnel to feed revenue in the long term. And, and I know at HubSpot, you've had many different roles. Maybe you could, just for everyone listening, because I, I think people think of HubSpot in certain ways or what it does, but what are the areas that you've touched along the way and where you focus now? Yeah, so the really quick introduction of my time at HubSpot. Uh, I've been very fortunate to work in a high growth company because I like to change what I do uh, every kind of couple of years. And so in HubSpot for the first kind of two and a half years, we were the first group of people of 12 pe people to be hired outside of our Cambridge office and we started the international business. Uh, that grew pretty rapidly. So we were very, very fortunate that international growth went well for HubSpot. But two and a half years into that, we, I joined another small team and that team's mission was basically to apply or find a new kind of go-to-market for HubSpot. And we did that through freemium. So we launched a lot of our sales products all with freemium first, our CRM and our sales hub. And uh, around 2018, we kind of adopted that freemium across the entire company. And at that point, I changed roles again. So when I was in freemium, I owned the full funnel marketing growth uh, and had some responsibility for our touchless revenue. And then when we, swapped, when we kind of acquired that company, I took on the entire top part of the HubSpot funnel. So all of our global demand that we generate through our leads and users, which I'm sure we'll get into in this episode, comes through the teams that I manage. And the cool thing about HubSpot is the revenue that we generate actually is, comes from marketing demands. Um, you kind of feel very accountable to the actual revenue number. Absolutely. That's, I, first off, I find that interesting personally. I think a lot of us assume that HubSpot's got this big sales team that goes out and you know, probably handles inbound interest, but it's, it's interesting for people to know that there is that freemium model. And, and I'll let you know, I honestly, uh, I use the HubSpot for sales product now uh, for some of my own day-to-day -day needs in terms of templates that I send out and things like that. It's just a great, great solution for making me more, more impactful. Um, so maybe we can dig a little bit into this, this idea of where does, where does the funnel start for you guys? Um, because I think that's a misconception that some people have, especially when we're thinking freemium models. You know, the question is, does it, does it start in your mind, you know, tracking someone at the content they're engaging out on the web before they sign up or is it after they sign up? How do you determine that? Because someone in theory could go two routes with HubSpot, right? They could go the route of saying, okay, I need, you know, the, the, the more robust HubSpot platform, including the marketing solution, or I may go down this, you know, more freemium path. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, it's definitely complicated it, in today's kind of HubSpot world. So I'll give you the kind of overview of how we maybe plan out our demand model, because I can kind of give you or give you the kind of the, the basics of how we would do that. So like within HubSpot, you can kind of start your journey in three ways, I think. And more and more, it's becoming you start your journey with a HubSpot account. So you can decide that you want to try our free products, right? So we have free CRM, marketing sales, and customer success products. And so we have people who start their journey as a free software user, and they come in through one of those sign-up points. They sign up for a CRM, a marketing, a sales, or a, a, a customer success tool. We really just think of those as software users. We have something else called a content user, which is actually growing, which are people who start their journey by creating an account to consume content that we are um, we have in what we call our learning center. And that is an app for someone to consume content. Um, and that's for both non-HubSpot 
customers and customers. And the number of people who are coming in and starting their journey as a content user is actually growing really fast. And then we have leads, which are the kind of traditional way that HubSpot has kind of started off. And that's someone who wants to download content through a form. And so what we have is a revenue number that we are accountable to each month. So we know how much revenue we need to generate each month. We then work back and we know how much leads, content users, and software users we need to generate to hit that um, revenue number. And in between there, there's actually other things that we, I can go into more detail if you want, but there's like opportunities. There's marketing qualified leads and something we call product qualified leads. Product qualified leads come from the product itself. People raising their hands within the product, people hitting certain triggers within the product. And we, and we rotate those either to sales team or they upgrade themselves through a touchless motion. And then we, can, we actually work back then to traffic. And so we know basically how much organic traffic we need to generate across all of these different properties. Uh, we know how much other types of traffic we need to generate that will result in that amount of demand. Um, and in that way, well, the reason we do that is because when I get my you know, numbers at the start of say 2019, I'm able to build a predictive model for 2019 right to the end of the year and look at the historical uh, growth rates in traffic, the historical conversion rates through the funnel and pull that forward and say, well, if I just grow the same rate as I did last year, where are the gaps that me hit in my plan? So it allows me to plan a lot better in terms of my resources and the things that I want to invest in for the coming year. All right. So I'm trying to figure out which path we go because I feel like we could do three podcasts right now. One for each <laughs> of the strategies because there's, there's probably so much to learn from you. Why don't, why don't I let you pick the one that you think is going to apply to people here? I, I personally am intrigued yeah. at, at the idea that you consider someone who's not even paying you, not even using product, a user because they simply consume your content. But that, that's just a, a point within there that I find interesting. Yeah, let's, let's, I can start off and I can go to two, two things so that I think will be valuable to your audience because one of the first things is, okay, well, the difficult thing for a company like HubSpot is the numbers just keep growing, right? So you, like, you would look at HubSpot and you would say, okay, well, they've been a pretty successful company. They generate you know, millions and millions of visitors. They generate a six-figure number of leads, a growing number of users, like a lot of demand. Um, you know, that's, that's great. And, and it is great. But then what happens is like every year you have to increase that by 30 to 40%, right? And so you're already utilizing all of the channels you can typically think of and you're kind of doing a pretty good job, but you have to figure out how you can either get better in those existing channels or layer on new channels for growth. And I think regardless of where you are in your kind of marketing journey, you're at either one of those spectrums. You're either find a channel that fits your product and is working really well and you go all in on that channel or you've kind of hit a peak in a certain channel and you're kind of scrambling around for additional growth. And I can tell you one of the things that has really worked well for us that has historically drove a lot of growth is within how we approach like content. We're like not to boast, but we're pretty good at, uh, at content and search and that inbound kind of go to market. And, but we could still, we still find ways to improve upon this in last year. And the reason, the way we did that is we kind of separated our content teams into two different um, places. And we thought like, how do we win the minds, hearts and minds of every SMB and mid-market owner within our space? And when you start to like pull that problem apart, how we win the minds of these business owners is we create tactical content that teaches them something, helps them solve a problem they have. And when we look at how we win the hearts of those people, we create emotional connection to something they truly care about. And 
we separated the teams into like a nine search content marketing team. And that team is the blogging team and, they, and all of the t- content teams that create tactical content. And that approach is very search driven. So that content fits with Google. That's the type of content that fits with Google. And we only create content that we know has search demand. Like typically about 80% of the content we create from those teams has existing search demand. And that content is all created through a search editorial calendar. And that editorial calendar is a very scientific process of how we kind of distill down all of these topics we could create content around and then stack rent them by available search traffic. And then the, but the hearts content team is really thinking about that problem in a very different way. So their channels are different. They're typically social, um, podcasts, video, how you can, the channels that allow you to create a more emotional connection with someone and help someone understand your mission. And that team also have their editorial calendar, but it's kind of built with it built in a different way. Like it's not search driven. It's, it's based upon the mission of the company, the themes and topics and taking that approach has really accelerated our, our, um, uh, our success like over the course of 2018 we hit blew away all of our record numbers in terms of organic our content on the heart section has got a lot better um, and that distinction between those two different types of content teams has definitely been something that has helped us improve within an existing channel I think you absolutely have the right to boast. Um, We were chatting about this offline, but I'm a massive fan of the content that HubSpot creates. I think it's really interesting actually to hear the methodology behind it. And it makes perfect sense having the heart and the mind teams. But one of the things that I love too, is even though you had just mentioned that you're really only on the mind side, creating content that has search demand, that content is so unbelievably high value. I have never once clicked on a HubSpot piece of content that I didn't get something from, or I couldn't pass on to um, somebody else in the industry. And, and so it's, it's funny that you say that, you know, that's really the mind side, but that content has so much heart to it still. I don't feel like it's lacking um, from any of your content. Yeah, absolutely. So we, although we've distilled that into a, into a scientific approach in terms of deciding on the content to create the creativity and the, the kind of emotion and everything that gets put into that content is still the same as it would be on the hard side, because we still have, we hold ourselves accountable to creating content that has results. And so if there's content that is not generating traffic or acquiring links or generating demand, we will either invest time in, optimizing that further. We call it like a historical optimization program. We go back through underperforming content and we look for area, uh, content that we can optimize further and see if it actually starts to succeed. If it does not, we do something which we call content pruning. So we actually start to, we will redirect that content to somewhere else. And that way we keep uh, all of the content that we have live is content that's actually generating results for us. And it helps Google, right? Google can index your best quality content. It helps with search. Um, and so, the minds part is not like, you know, how do I create as much content as quickly as possible? It's still, how do I create very high quality content? But I know that people actually want this because I have a, a systematic way of proving that there's actual volume of search traffic for it. Nice. Um, I definitely want to keep digging into all of this amazing content in this approach and this methodology because everybody should be taking notes right now but we have to take a super quick break to hear from our sponsors so everybody stick around we are going to dig even further into the hubspot content in just a bit 
Hi friends, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. All right, Karen, I am excited to dig into the second half here. And, and the first half we, we talked about you know, as you put it at one point, the problem with HubSpot is a great problem, is how much attention you get and people come truly interested in the content that's been created because you've been doing this for over 10 years. I think a source for content that helps us as marketers figure out what to do. Now, some of the stats are amazing. 4.5 million monthly blog visitors, over 50,000 customers, 2.6 million social followers. Like, it, it is wild, the success of HubSpot. Um, and, and part of us would say, okay, well, as long as people keep coming through these SEO channels, you know, we just have to sit there and, and create content. But I know that's that you don't just sit back. You also find ways to put content in front of places that people are going when they're not coming to your site. Um, maybe outside of SEO, you can give us some of the strategies that you're most fond of in terms of your go-to-market. Yeah, I think the thing with content is there's there's two elements, which is like the push and pull, right? So the search part is really taken in demand for what people are already searching for. And then if needed, you can give them the thing they're looking for and help them to see that there's something else that they may have not thought 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 about that is relevant to the thing they're reading, right? And that's kind of how we grew the marketing product. Like one of the good things about a marketing product was we were able to acquire people on things that we're searching about, like how to generate more leads and all these things, and then show them that there was a tool that helped them do those things. And then there's the other element, which is uh, not as good a fit for, for search, which is how do you get people to feel actually something about your brand? And for HubSpot, typically, we, uh, the evolution of that for us was like, I think the thing that HubSpot did well was, I think most brands who do well have some sort of enemy in, in mind or like take some sort of stance on something uh, and that hel helps people feel emotive one way or the other so, right it's better to be on one end of that spectrum versus being a brand who just sits in the middle and ours was like inbound versus outbound and people felt kind of way about that and i think the best challenge for us when you're trying to get people to connect to a mission are, are typically have been podcasting so i think that's one of the things that uh we've invested a lot in we have uh, three podcasts now um, and the kind of flat, the premier podcast is the, the growth show and that helps to tell those stories about how brands, people are, are growing their companies in really great ways. Uh, and really like, uh, it's really how do you go where the people are, right? So Facebook is still a good channel for us because that's where the people are. We've invested uh, more in YouTube recently. Um, I think that's an interesting platform. We're still unsure if that fits in the heart or mind or both. 
uh, we've definitely been using it a lot for the kind of mind part where we are teaching people how to do things, but we've started to invest more in like, can you actually build a connection on that platform? So we don't have, I don't have the like hidden platform that people probably want me to have that they haven't thought about because the unfortunate thing for all brands are is to reach people, you have to go where they are and they're either on Google, Facebook, or, um, you know, some other kind of niche platforms. Um, and uh, so, so they've been our core distribution channels. And obviously, obviously I would have to mention our uh, event that takes place in Boston. Like that's an in-person way of reaching people. And it's going to be about 24,000 people this year. So it's another good way to, to reach a, a sizable audience. So I'm kind of happy to hear that you don't have this like magic bullet or there's yeah. no super secret sauce that you're holding back. Cause um, I and think. I look for it. I know everybody. And trust me, I mean, if it was out there, you know, everybody would be using it right now or somebody would have figured out a way to sell it for like a million dollars and, and be yes. wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. Um, but that's also something that you talk about too, which is just that creating predictable growth is not a hack. Like there's no hack for any of these things that your team has accomplished or that HubSpot has accomplished. It's, it just is what it is. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of quality. Like there's no hack. There's no quote unquote. No. What, what I find is uh, it's finding something that works and doing it to an extent that no other person would put the time and effort to do it to that level. Right. So when we, we decided that search worked, we, we were all in and search. Like we, like we would spend a lot of time and the things that people may find boring, which is like, how do you keep the site quality high redirects? Like, all of the things that, um, that go into that. And so there's not like, there's experiments within a channel, but it's just to get you to be better within that channel. And so we've definitely found that actually there's not like hidden tricks or tips. A lot of it is just investing in the correct things and going like all in, like extracting as much growth as you can from, from that individual channel. Um, I, I'm just really happy to hear, and sorry, not to cut you off. I'm just really happy to hear that you, um, cause again, I feel like, again, that everybody's just trying to like hack everything or find like the speediest, fastest way to get there. And I think really it cannot be emphasized enough of what you just said, which is that it's just investing. It's investing the time. It's investing in the right approach that works for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think there's like, even though most of the hacks I've seen are clever experiments, um, and the problematic thing with most experiments is that they need to take into account scalability. So if you are running an experiment and you're like, okay, if, you've, if you haven't asked your question about, well, if this experiment is true, how do I scale this thing? Then you're continually on this kind of, you know, roller coaster ride of like, oh, I've got something that wins. Oh, I need to go and scramble to find something else. Oh, I've got something that wins. But most experiments actually fail. So we've run, you know, thousands of experiments and we've had way more failures than successes. But one of the things that we force ourselves to do is we write an experiment doc, doc to do these kind of hacks, which are just experiments. And within that experiment doc, we would have like, what if, if this is successful, how do I scale this thing? And you have to have something that's scalable or you're just not going to invest in it and it's not going to drive long-term growth to the company. I love that. I, you know, one of the things as you say that is you stress the importance of experimentation, which is actually something my team is, is really taking on lately as a renewed focus. What would be, just as we start to wrap here, what would be three questions that marketers should be asking themselves about their current strategy? 
right? Because I, you know, rather than, as you said, there's no silver bullet. We just have to do it well. We got to work hard. And I think a lot of people, we say to ourselves, well, I thought I am working hard. I thought I am doing it well. But, but what are three things that, that help more from that experimentation mindset that says, yep. how do I challenge my thinking? Yeah, when we think about the things we work on, we think uh, about prioritization. And prioritization sounds easy, but if you think about it, like what most people do is they think of the, the priority of their thing within, within the context of how they work or, or, the, or the area that they work. So what we ask ourselves is like, is this the most valuable thing the business can invest in, not the most valuable thing like the paid team can invest in or the search team can invest in? It's like, is this the most important thing or the most um, high impact thing that the company can invest in? Because most of our things today within HubSpot actually require time from engineers or product people who have a whole other list of things that they could be working on. Because when you're in a freemium company, a lot of the things you want to experiment on now touch the product. And so that's one of the things we've had to get better at is actually thinking beyond just marketing and like what are the most important things that all of these teams could actually rally around. The other things we think about is um, have we any prior history of doing this thing? And so the reason we think about that is because if we have if we've prior history of doing this thing, we've been successful, then it's more likely that we're going to be successful again. Whereas if this is a brand new thing that we have started from scratch, then it's a more of an unknown. So it's more of a risk. So that actually is a good way to determine like how risky of a, a, a bet this thing is when you're doing experimentation. Um, and then, I, so I think there, there are a couple of things that we would think about. And then the other one is the two gotchas, the, a couple of gotchas and experiments, and they're actually kind of common, but you always kind of find teams that don't think through them. And we probably have not thought, thought through them properly at times is we talked about scalability. The other one is maintenance. And that's like really boring, but a lot of the things that we work on, actually we create something or we build something and there's a maintenance, there's an ongoing maintenance expense to that, right? So that when you're trying to determine the cost of implementing something, you think of the upfront cost of someone's time, you think of the upfront cost within budget, whatever that is to do that thing. You don't think about what's the ongoing maintenance to keep this thing alive. Um, and so we built a lot of free tools. People probably know HubSpot's marketing grader, but we, bought, we built other tools and so if we were going to kind of sit down and go, okay, like, could we build this tool to rank for these three keywords? Then we would have to think about both the upfront cost and then the development cost of like when people try to use that tool and it breaks, you know, when that style and that our style guides all change and we have to update the guide of the free tool. When the thing that the free tool is doing relies on an API and that API has been updated somewhere else, like who is accountable for those things? And so, so that's one of the other things you need to really think about when you're going to go through, like, what are the things I should invest in and experiment around as a marketer? Nice. Love it. I can't think of a better way um, to leave our listeners than with all of that amazing advice and tips and tricks. So, um, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us today. Before uh, we do officially end the podcast, though, where can people find you? Because you have a podcast of your own. I do. I have a podcast called the Growth TLDR Podcast. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We interview people from uh, predominantly product-like companies, you know, companies that have like a freemium, free trial, uh, have a lot of interesting things going on. So uh, you can find me on there. You can find me on Twitter, the worst uh, Twitter handle called SearchBrat. Uh, and uh, <laughs> nice. you can find all things HubSpot and HubSpot.com. And also you can check out our podcast. We have, we have three pretty pretty successful podcast on there. Fantastic. All right, everybody. So go follow Karen 
uh, check out his podcast as well. Um, and then stick around because now that we've gotten to know the professional side of Karen, we're also going to check out uh, his uh, personal side. So we're going to have a couple of fun questions coming up right after this. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We have Karen here. And as we mentioned before the break, we're going to get to know a little bit more about the personal side of Karen. So Karen, here's your question. You have a podcast already, but if you weren't doing a professional podcast or something that has to do with marketing, what would your podcast be about and who would your first guest be? And Randy, right. tee up your question too, because I'm curious on yours. I know we, we ask this on occasion, but I, it changes, you know, personal life changes. So Randy, get ready with yours too. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you had asked me this maybe two weeks ago, I probably would have just said something generic, like a comedy podcast, because I do like comedy and would have tried to get Will Ferrell on because he's my uh, hero in, in all things life. Nice. But I recently <laughs> that I really want to do a conspiracy theory podcast Ooh. because I watched something on Netflix called Flat Earthers. And it was <gasps> literally, the most, yeah, it was the most bizarre hour and a half that I have ever spent in my life. And, uh, I would get the guy on who invented the flat earth conspiracy because he is totally nuts. And uh, I think it would be a good, good hour of my life of um, <laughs> trying to understand, you know, how he came to this conclusion that the earth is flat, how you don't fall off the earth, how airplanes work in the flat earth when we're covered by a bubble. So there's a lot of questions I have and that's what I would love to do. Can I recommend a name for that podcast? Yes. Mental Gymnastics. Cause like, I'm curious about like the mental gymnastics yeah. people have to go through to like, you know, and then you could continue That's to like, cool, actually. yeah, I like that. I'm going to actually, I, I, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that I, people, I think that I'm just going to go onto Reddit, right? <laughs> just yeah, I know. Up. I'm a massive fan of conspiracy Reddit. theories as yeah. well. They're fun. Yeah. So, that um, is my, that's my next one. I love it. I also feel like you could still have Will Ferrell on in the background. That would still be entertaining for that first episode. <laughs> I could get Will Ferrell as my co-host. Yes. Yeah, that is. To talk about flat earthers, that's gold. That, <laughs> that, that, that just hit number one podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, you know, HubSpot's got to worry. HubSpot's yeah. got to worry. That's amazing. Nice. All right, Randy, what about yours? You know what? I, I so I when in my downtime, the way I detach with like mindless information is I listen to sports radio. I, I don't know why. I just I I think it just it, it's so silly the questions that they ask that it lets you escape and not worry because you know, a lot of the questions are softballs, et cetera. But I've always thought what would be interesting would be a podcast that talked to the parents of all these sports heroes, right? Like what are their stories of their kids growing up and what did they have to go through? And you know, when did they know that that kid would be special in some sort of way? And I think That's people cool. would be really amazed by that. I think part of that is because I'm like, a hockey dad and some of the parents are just crazy <laughs> like <laughs> some of them are amazing and caring and some of them just you know 
they're just they're intense. weird. They're, they're yeah. intense or they're weird or they swear too much in front of their kids. It's, it's really weird. So I think you'd get such a, an interesting mix of people, you know, with some heartfelt stories and some stories where you'd be like, that person is terrible. How did yeah. their kids succeed? So I, there's, I a couple of, um, there's a couple of well-known uh, biographies. I don't know. So I know the Andre Agassi biography. I haven't read it yet. I heard it's phenomenal, but a lot of it does focus on how intense his upbringing was. And I think the, okay. uh, the, the Williams sisters had a pretty, um, you know, intense uh, upbringing. So I think they, there are parents who like are, are very determined their kids are going to succeed and probably have more determination than, than their kids about succeeding. So I think there'd be a lot of good stories in that. Man, I, I love those Andre Agassi's shoes from back in like 1990 or whenever it was. Those were amazing. That was a huge, I had all of uh, his rackets played a lot of tennis. So the, he was a he was a hero to me, uh, nice. Agassi. Back in the Vegas days when he had his long, long hair. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was the shoes for me. I I fell in love with them. I had like multiple pairs. If I could find those today, oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah. Anyways, Gary, this has been so much fun. Honestly, you know, I, I'm a big uh, fan of HubSpot. Uh, you know, Uberflip is a partner of HubSpot as well. So, yep. you know, there's, there's always been a great relationship between our companies. It's great to chat with you, hear about some of the ways that, that you're growing the business um, in, in very logical ways. As you said, there's no, there's no uh, you know, silver bullet, but it's a lot of things that are being done well from so many different channels and there's so much that we can learn. It sounds like the best place to continue to learn is to go to the blog, check out a lot of that content, yep. check out some of the podcasts. Uh, for those who have enjoyed this podcast, we've got a whole bunch of other episodes that you can check out. You can go to the Uberflip site, you go to the Convince and Convert site. Uh, you can obviously also go to Spotify and Google Play and iTunes and all the other places you get podcast and when possible definitely leave us some feedback what are you enjoying what do you want to hear more of until next time thanks so much to karen flanagan i'm randy frisch from uberflip with anna iraq from convince to convert and this has been the connex podcast this is jay bear and thanks for listening to the content experience show please leave a review and subscribe on itunes or on your favorite podcast listening app go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits that's content experience show.com the content experience show is sponsored by convince and convert consulting and by uberflip it's produced by my team and i at convince and convert if you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show just go to convinceandconvert.com. and convert.com